Are you ready for talk? Okay, let's stand, breathe in, breathe out. And uh, yeah, sit down again. 1978, we went on our first family holiday to Minnesota. My dad worked for a company called DuPont, and he got made redundant. And uh, my dad was great crack. He wasn't the smartest man with finances, but he decided with the money we'd all go to America. Because we were changing. The Scott family were actually, we, we feel very part of the peace process. Actually, we feel that without us, it might never have happened, the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, we went, my brother went first of all, with a project from Derry to um, out to the States, and it just transformed Northern Ireland. And then, well, as a family, we went, and uh, there's a thing called Apple River. It's hilarious. You go on these tubes, and you go down this river, and there's rapids. And I was about eight years of age. And um, so all these guys are going in with, like, packs of beer and stuff like that. And uh, it looked like a bit of crack, as I say. So then I jumped, and uh, jumped in with my mom, and we went down this river, took you on a current. And then all of a sudden, we came to these rapids. And to me, it felt like the Niagara Falls, but it was probably... Very small. Uh, you can Google it. It's called uh, Apple River. I did. It doesn't look as extreme as I thought in my head when I was telling the story. Uh, so uh, anyway, so think Grand Rapids, Niagara Falls or whatever. And so what happened is I panicked and I jumped out of it and couldn't touch the bottom. And uh, I couldn't swim. My mom jumped out to um, save me. She couldn't swim. Um, all right. It's funny, is it? We were drowning, we were dying, and more. And out of nowhere, this man came. To this day, I think he's an angel. He came in, came out of nowhere. There was no passers-by at all. I thought, this is it. The troubles in Northern Ireland are going to continue. I'm out of the picture. And this man comes in a pickup truck, and he jumps into the river like Bear Grylls, and he lifts my mum up and lifts me up, and he takes us out of the river and puts us in a fan and takes us back to safety. And for your good fortune, I'm here today. Uh, today, I want to begin a new series uh, from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians. Uh, it will make sense in a minute. Please wait, wait, wait. Oh, that's it. There is deeper parts. There's deeper parts. Guys, can I just give you a word of wisdom? Never trust water. Let's be mature about this. There are deep parts. Don't treat it as a joke. Uh, so he writes this New Testament book, and it's all about how God rescued us from slavery, from sin, and how God offers us freedom through the gift of a son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so over the next couple of months, if it's okay with you, but I haven't asked your permission, I've already planned it anyway, uh, I'm going to go through this book and cover the entire six chapters. Uh, it's impossible to overstate the impact that this six-chapter book has. It's a book on its own. Martin Luther, who was the reformist, he liked this book better than any other books of the Bible, and people do that, don't they? He preached through the book in an entire series of lectures on at least three occasions, and in his famous table talks, Martin Luther is quoted as saying, this is just weird, uh, the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle, his letter, I, li I like that. But then he gets a little bit carried away, he says, to it I am, as it were, to married, it is my Catherine, that was Martin Luther's 
wife. I just want to ask you the question because it's been bothering me this morning as I've been thinking about this. Does any of you guys have a Bible book that you call your wife's name? No? Okay. What, cars? Machines? Lawnmowers? No, I'll just keep going then. Okay, that's that. It gets that out of my head. Let's me move on. So he, he referred to it as his Catherine. Uh, anybody ever heard of a guy called Charles Wesley? Great hero of faith, eh? Uh, Methodist. He, uh, he met Jesus. He was enlightened and encountered Jesus through this book. And then from that, he sparks this Methodist revival in the 18th century. It's powerful what a book does, isn't it? I hope it does something in us in, in Vineyard Church, Dungannon. sparks a little revival in our souls and our hearts. And so today... Is there any other message I would say necessary in the 21st century? Let the message of rescue. The message of rescue. We need it. Man, globally we need it. We look to regenerate globally. We're on unsteady times. You know, we've got North Korea and we've got Donald Trump. That'll make you nervous. We're, we're, we're on shaky times. We don't know where war's coming from. There's, there's fear. And we're just... We're fear-driven, right? Never before have we been as fear-driven as we are today. And then uh, nationally, I think, and I don't want to be down on ourselves, like because we're enough down in our own country, but it's politically a little messy. Is that fair enough to say? It's not an exaggeration. And we haven't set budget for a year and a half, I think, for our welfare system, for our schooling, for our health, and, and many in the volunteer sectors are losing their jobs. It's, uh, we need a rescue operation. We need a rescue operation. Personally, you, you, can, you can search it out for yourself, and you probably don't need stats, but we're, uh, we're, as a nation, as a people, personally, just like you and I, where you and I know people, maybe you and I are in this. Maybe we're there. We're addicted. We're, we're alcoholics. You know, you look around you, abuse has gone up. Domestic abuse incidents have increased year on year since 2005. That's not a good thing. With the exception of two decreases recorded at a 1.6% decrease in 2006, 2007, 2007, 2008. Those two years. And man, that's a 7.3% decrease. But the, the real figure I'm looking at is 29,191 incidents for the last 12 months, January to December 2016. That's the highest level rec- recorded since 2005. That's not a good thing not a good thing. We need rescued. We need rescued. And I think God's saying something about this this morning. I think as a church, we ain't going to settle for that. We're going to do something about that, right? Just like India, we'll do it in Dungannon. I'm not happy with this report. We're not settling for it. So again, is there anything more necessary for us in the 21st century than to hear personally, spiritually, culturally, nationally, and globally a message of rescue. We need rescue. Let me read Galatians. This is where we are today. Galatians 1, 1 to 5. encourage you to read the scriptures as you go home. It's six chapters. Read, them. read a chapter a week. Read a couple of verses a day even. You don't have to do a full chapter in a week. See where it takes you. And let me read the scriptures to you this morning. Galatians 1, 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle, sent not with human commission nor by human authority, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us 
from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true. It's given to us in love. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me share briefly just the setting of this book, if that's okay, just to set it up. We're going to spend a lot of time in it in the next couple of months. As we're going to learn, there's, there's this guy called Paul. He's preaching. He's preaching, but his message is under attack. Not only is his message that's under attack, truth is under attack. So he's personally under attack, and the message of truth is under attack. Sound familiar in our modern culture? Truth under attack. And so he's, uh, he's going to take the six chapters. He doesn't write in chapters. He just writes a letter. Paul mentions his opponents. He calls them troublemakers, false brothers, who are trying to alienate Christians in the Galatian churches from Paul and his message. Keep the message and the messenger separate. And so both the message of the gospel and the messenger of the gospel, the Apostle Paul, they're under attack in, in local churches in Galatia. They're under attack in local churches. It's weird, isn't it? Truth under attack in the church. And where is Galatia? Galatia is the south-central part of Turkey. That's where it is, if you're wondering where it is today. And so he defends both his message and himself. That's what you're going to find out through this letter. So could we just step back just for a moment, just try and refresh your mind this morning, try and stay with me. I know it's warm and you've had a lot of information today and even just the energy of worshiping Jesus. But can we just step back for a moment and ask the question? I want to ask this question. Does it make sense for the Apostle Paul to spend six chapters defending the message that he preached from attack? Does it make sense? It's a real life question. I think it does. Uh, why is this book in the Bible anyway? A book in which Paul is defending his own apostolic authority and defending a message. And the basic question that we need to ask ourselves today in our current climate and the, and the world that we face ourselves, or, or the world that we face each day, does truth matter? That's my question. Does truth matter? Yeah, you can find in the Oxford Dictionary, I looked it up, there is a reference now to, to uh, post-truth. You can look up the word post-truth. What, 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 what's, what's true to you is not really true to me. Is there an absolute truth anyway? I mean, is that chair really black or charcoal? Are you sitting on it? Really, are you sitting on it? Are you here? We, 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 we argue everything in our culture. We, um, and politics, actually, it's the spirit of politics that created the post-truth age. Isn't that funny? Because do you know what politics did? I, I'm throwing this out for free. You can, this might turn your head about do you remember one time when people said, uh, hey, we don't want a kingdom anymore, we want a king? Hey, you know what got replaced? The kingdom got replaced with politics. And we've had politics ever since. Man asked for a king when God was king. Man asked for politics when the kingdom of heaven was everything that we needed. There's a spirit age in this. There's, there's something in this that post-truth is politically connected and opposed to the kingdom of God, which is full of truth and life and light. And we're going to get deep into truth over the next six weeks. Are you up for that? Can't, can't, what about, talk about being radical, like in truth. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Truth matters. Why does truth of the gospel matter? The good news of the gospel, and the gospel is more than saying yes to Jesus Christ. It's the start of it. It's part of it. But the gospel is the truth of Jesus, the good news of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That is the gospel message, and it matters, believe you me. Again, stepping back further so we can see the wood for the trees, the trees for the wood. 
Why does believing the truth about anything matter? I know you think I've lost the plot this morning, but I want to ask you that question. Why does it matter? We live in a time when all truth claims are under attack. You constantly hear it. It doesn't matter what you believe, so long as you're sincere. (laughs) You can be sincerely wrong, but as long as you're sincere, what's it matter? What's it matter? Are you sincere? They're a sincere person. Got a good heart. They try too hard. It doesn't matter what you believe. Uh, Many people believe that believe in anything too strongly that anyone who claims that truth is not just something that is true for you, I hope this makes sense, but true for everyone. (laughs) That, That belief that you've encountered truth that applies to everyone makes you a dangerous person. Especially when it comes to the spiritual and the church. See, it's okay having a truth for yourself, but if you're actually saying, I've encountered a truth, I've encountered a person who is truth, I've encountered a truth that's not just for me, but for everyone, then you become, to, to the world, to this age, a dangerous person. And might I say, yes, we are dangerous people. We're very dangerous. We want to turn the world upside down for Jesus. We want to bring hope and life to communities. We want to take people out of poverty. We want to reduce abuse and domestic violence, don't we? We want to see people with mental health problems soar and, 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 and flourish in their lives. Yeah, well, that's how dangerous we are. This truth does that sort of stuff, you know? This truth rescues people. This truth sets people in a new place. It doesn't just, we don't get down with the poor. We actually bring the poor up because poverty is a curse. It doesn't bring us humility. It keeps us down. And so we're dangerous. We've got a dangerous message. Yeah, we are dangerous, but we're not, we're not dangerous as in we're crazy people trying to screw the world up. No, no, no we're not. We're, we're, you know, any time that God's come into my life, you know what he takes? He takes, he takes a Greek word called crap, and he replaces it with good stuff. See, he's a creator of all things. So when it comes to science and intellectual and education and health, he, he is the answer for everything. God is the God of wisdom. And so anything he puts into my life, he, anything he replaces it with, it's usually a good thing. I guarantee you I'm a better person today because of Jesus Christ. I'm a better husband. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me push the boundaries a little more. I'm a better dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think I'm a better son. I was a rogue without Christ. Jesus comes in, makes all things new, and he's good. We constantly hear one person's truth is as good as another person's truth. So we need to step back again, and and from the book of Galatians, to which Apostle Paul argues forcefully for six chapters on behalf of the preaching of the gospel, we need to ask ourselves the real question, does truth matter? George Weigel, he was a Roman Catholic scholar, said, ideas or ideas have consequences, and bad ideas have lethal consequences. What we believe matters, truth matters, ideas matter, doctrine does matter, people. So let's apply this more personally. Does truth matter? Does what you believe, personally you believe, what does it matter to you and your family, to your finances, to your sex life, to your health life, to your working life, to your parenting life, to your friendship life? Does it matter? Yeah, it does matter. Truth matters. Truth matters. I mean, have you, have, you ever tried, have you ever been in a conversation with a woman? I, I, I'm sorry for bringing this up again, but I think the Spirit of God's on it. 
Have you ever had a conversation with a woman who has been physically abused? We have. Have you ever talked to a victim of domestic violence and said to him, get out, get safe? Uh, and they keep returning to the abuser? I have. But she won't leave. Why? Because she believes that deep down, he loves her. Uh, deep down, she doesn't deserve any better. That's identity problems. Uh, this is what I deserve. This is my bed. I'll lie in it. Does that make sense? It's a strong, it's a strong argument, isn't it? It's a strong example, but it's real. Ideas and cons consequences and bad ideas have lethal consequences. You see, if you don't, if uh, re-believing doesn't coexist with re-deciding, we're just going to get the same things over and over and over again. So Paul writes, Truth matters in every realm, it matters. And Paul writes in Galatians 1 and 1, here's, where we're, here's how we're probably going to do this. Paul, an apostle, just first by first, Paul, an apostle, sent not with human commission, nor by human authority, but by Jesus Christ and God and Father who raised him from the dead. So, like, it's a pretty hefty introduction, isn't it? Paul, an apostle, not, this, I ain't sent by human commission, no, no church commissioned me. I've come because Jesus Christ has commissioned me personally. He's a big A. He's a big apostle. Isn't it funny that like you've got a apostle? You ever watch the God Channel? Everybody's an apostle nowadays. Hi, I'm Jason Scott. I'm an apostle. Yeah, good people. You don't watch that stuff. Good. So here's how the letter would write. When's the last time you wrote a letter? Seriously. Two years ago? Three years ago? Like pen? Three months ago. Hipster. Hipsters, hipsters in the back. It's all cool again. So we would write like, Dear Paul, an ancient word, they, they, would, they would do it slightly different. They would, uh, there would be the name of the sender, Paul. See what it did there? And the name of the recipients, the church in Galatia. And then a greeting. That's just a standard form. So they set it up, Paul and Apostle to Galatia. And a, and a greeting. But this is, this is slightly different. Not much of a, hey, how you doing? What's the weather like? It ain't, it ain't any of that. It's, he's straight in there. Why does Paul begin this way? This way because he's saying truth matters. Paul, an apostle, I ain't called by man. I am called by Jesus. I've got something to say, and I ain't happy. This letter's slightly different from Philippians, where it's a friendship letter. This is a letter of, of defense of the truth. Truth matters. It matters regarding how we handle our money. It matters how we handle our family issues. It matters how we look at global issues. Guys, we, we, we do have a perspective in all things. Don't bury your heads too much. I know like too much news is not healthy. But you do have a, as kings and priests and priestess, you do rule and reign with Jesus. You do understand that. You're called sons and daughters of the king. You're seated in heavenly places with Jesus. Therefore, you do have an opinion. Don't let people tell you that you don't have an opinion on life. You do have truth. You're, you, you're submerged in truth. You're baptized into truth. You're baptized into the name of Jesus. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. So therefore, we're baptized into truth, right? So we have something to say globally, nationally, politically. Yeah? Yeah, we have something to say. That's why we're, there's no fear here in the vineyard. We're, we're, not, we're not playing it small. That's why we go to India. That's why nut jobs like this go into 
camps where there's uh, gangs and mafia. Because he's got a truth, a truth thing going on, right? You've got a truth thing going on. You've got an injustice thing going on. You know what's truth. You know what's right. So therefore, you've got an opinion, and you're a son of the king. It's your rightful place to go into all the world with the kingdom of heaven. Great, Jason, but how do you know what truth is? That's great talking about truth this and truth that, and we need truth for the whole money matters and Relationship matters, and work matters, and political matters, and global matters. And how do you know what truth is, Jason? Well, I'll give you a definition of three ways that truth happens, if that's okay. There are three sources of belief that are almost in any area. And uh, by the way, I've stole this part from a guy called Rich Nathan, so I ain't that clever. He's way smarter than me, and he gives me permission to do this. Is that okay? So the first one is tradition. Tradition. Uh, let, let, let's do it this way. Let me ask ask you a question. Have you ever asked someone to come to church and you did so because they don't go to church on a Sunday? Yeah, good, good. Well, keep doing it. Keep doing it. That's a good thing. But have you ever, have you ever had the thing, you, know, you go up saying, hey, fancy coming to the vineyard with me on Sunday? You get coffee and pastries. They've gone posh. Now they used to do donuts, but now they do pastries. And, uh, and you think that would close the deal, wouldn't you? Like, just come and say, I'm a pair of jeans and a guitar and a cup of coffee. And you think, that's going to sell it. And a person turns around and they say, um, I, I, I couldn't go to your church because I don't go to my own church. Have you ever had that? Yeah. I, I can't go to your church because I don't go to my own church. And I feel if I went to your church, I would be betraying my own church. But you're thinking, I'm asking you to go to church because you don't go to church. That's the reason why I'm asking you to go to church. But you don't want to go to church because you don't go to your own church. <laughs> Strange. It's tradition. It's not a belief system. It's a tradition. It's stuff we hold on to, isn't it? Or what about this? Wasn't it... Wasn't it how good was last Sunday? Like one to ten, seriously. Three and a half. Okay. It was, it was good. It was good. It was more than good. People got baptized and it was emotional and, you know, I, I used to cry a lot. I don't cry as much anymore. I think I should cry a little more. I felt like crying last Sunday. To see John and Samantha coming up, husband and wife, and uh, man, you've got a harder stone if you don't cry. Just get round the spirit of Nigel Graham. He's got the spirit of crying. He'll give you that. Sorry, he's got emotions. <laughs> and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Not trying to embarrass you. It's a good thing. But you, you say even, and I ask people, do you like to get baptized? No, I can't get baptized because I got baptized as a kid. And, and they don't really have a belief system. That's, I don't want to start a fight. I don't want to start a fight. But it's not that they, they have a belief system. They have an emotional tie. To soften, and I feel like if, if I got baptized, I would be betraying my parents. Does that make sense? Well, tradition is a, it's a huge thing. It's, it's not that we believe things, it's that we hold on to things. And that can be from church, it can be from a culture, it can be from a tribe. Uh, do you, you understand that second thing? Is this, this, is a, this, is, this is high, this is disproportionate, I think, in the 21st century, and that's personal authority. I believe it because it resonates within me. Oprah. Think Oprah. Feels good. Do it. Or as Americans call, let's see, it's a wee bit creepy. Now, you talk about cheese. My inner ding. I'll say it again. My inner ding. I N N E R. Their inner ding. Their sixth sense. They're weird people, aren't they? Sorry, if there's any Americans here this morning, I do apologize. <laughs> Oh, that's Joe. How's your inner ding, Joe? 
You know, you can base your beliefs about what's true in tradition, what you think on tradition, or you can base it on your beliefs on your inner ding. And by the way, the scriptures do have something to say about your inner ding, and it's not helpful. Man, if I lived my life on my inner ding, huh? it would be a fun, Sunday mornings would be fun. Huh? Some of the stuff that comes in here, and I feel it in here, scared the life out of you, wouldn't it? And some of the stuff that goes on in your heads too would scare the life out of me, Marion. Yeah. There's a story about um, a pilot who's flying a jet, fi- uh, jet fighter. I don't know how this happens, like, but anyway, it, it probably would happen to me because I have no sense of direction. The, the instrument panel was broken, and so he's, he's, he's on a series of complex maneuvers. I don't know what you do in those things, but you... Ascent, descent, spinning, spinning, maneuvers, loop, loop, curly, whirly. And uh, do you remember the yo-yos you used to do? All the, no, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> He, he's relying on the instruments broken, and as he thinks he's ascending, he's actually descending, and he crashes the jet. The jet. Hey, the Bible teaches us, I'm going to be really, really frank about this. The Bible teaches us that we are born with broken instruments. Broken instrument panels, guys, and we, we can't simply rely on our discernment to gauge what we should do all the time. Now, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit engaging us on the inside, and then there is your inner ding. There's a big difference there, right? So, you know how this works, right? Sorry to pick on the woman today, but I'm going to do it. Have you ever met a single woman going out with a real jerk? I've been that woman. You've been that woman? <laughs> Here endeth the lesson. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true. It's given to us in love. And they maybe got married and divorced. But have you ever met somebody that's met another guy and he's as big as idiot and loser as the one that they were married to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I'm trying to get on to the next point very quickly. So you could say, well... I've made 10 mistakes in the past, but you know what? This is the one. Underneath that piece of coal, there's a diamond. <laughs> and everybody else in their granny's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, right? Or you could say, my instrument panel's broken. That's all of us. I've learned from experience to call on my, not just my own experience, but the scriptures. And uh, your inner thing won't rescue you. So here's the third thing, and I'm going to finish with this this morning. There's a third source of truth. It's called, this is, this is a bit slightly maybe different for you this morning, the, the language I'm using, apostolic authority. God speaking a word of revelation through the apostles with a big A. Now, I'm not talking about somebody's a self-confessed apostle like myself. In the Bible, the word apostolic means missionary sent one, but there was 12 who were not appointed by churches, but appointed by Christ himself. Judas then is, is out of that. They're, they've seen the resurrection. They've seen Jesus and the resurrection. They have been appointed by God. They, they have revelation, and we're reading, we're reading this stuff now in the Scriptures. They have authority. So they have authority. All I'm saying is, don't, don't, you don't have to get weird with it. 
They have authority by God, therefore we want to pay attention to what they say. That's it. That's as weird as it gets. They have authority from God. They wrote in ancient scriptures. It's the word of the Lord. It's given to us in love. We believe it to be absolutely true. And it's our navigation system for life. And there's truth in it. There's truth in it. And we need to hold on to truth. See, as for Titus, he is a partner, a co-worker among you. It's just 2 Corinthians 8, 23. Could I just have five more? Could I have a bit of extra time this morning? Thanks. Derek Dickey said yes. And so there, it says, as for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and honor to Christ. So that, that word representative, it's just, it's translated apostle. It means a missionary. It's a small a. But these big a apostles, the 12 that chose from Jesus, minus Judas, um, they have something to say. And we need to pay attention. They're, they're not apostles of churches. They weren't appointed by churches. They weren't even subject to church authority. Rather, they were appointed by Christ. So why would you believe anything about God, about church, about how you should live? About your sexuality? About what's right and what's wrong? Is it because I teach you something in the vineyard on Sunday morning? I should hope not. Not totally. It's not all down to me. It's not that the vineyard has some great teachings or a group of us have got collected collected together some, some ideas and then we folded on it. No, 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 no. That's not how we decided. It's based on revelation from God given to the apostles and contained in this book called the Bible. That's the truth. That's where you find your moral compass. That's where you find your truth. Not Jason Scott. But the truth handed down by the apostles and in ancient scriptures. Who needs to hear the truth? The dirty, rotten sinners. Those people that didn't make it to church this morning need to hear the truth. Don't they? Well, who's Paul talking to? He's talking to the church. <laughs> we need to hear it. He's writing to the church. Not those outside the church. He's writing to the church. Paul writes this letter about truth, about rescuing and the message of the gospel to churches. Churches. The truth of the gospel is not just a message that Paul preached to those outside of the church, outside of Christian faith. Gospel isn't just a message for new believers, believe it or not. The gospel, the kingdom of God, is a message for all humanity, for our everyday ordinary lives, for those in the church and outside the church. And it applies to us as much as it applies to anybody else. And the most mature Christians never tire of hearing the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. We always need to hear the good news of the kingdom, Right? Martin Luther once said this, that reformist guy again. He said, to progress in the Christian life is always to begin again. I love that. Begin again. Begin again. Begin again. Begin again. In other words, we never get, we never get, just, we never get tired of grace. We never quit with grace. It's always grace. Grace let us in. Grace takes us on. It's always grace. You just didn't get it one time to get you a ticket into heaven. That's not the case at all. Grace is for your entire life. It's a grace message. Grace always shocks us again and again. It should shock you again and again. You don't get grace. Grace gets you. That's good. We don't actually get grace. We can't comprehend it. It actually gets a hold of our lives. And it, 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 it pulls us into this loving relationship with the loving God. And it transforms our entire life and our families and our work and our culture and our society. Grace gets us. It gets a hold of us and it transforms us. It's a good word. And every day we need to remind ourselves, I'm accepted by God. I'm accepted by God. I had a good day yesterday. But I'm up again today. And I'm a child of God. It's a good thing. It's a good way to start your day. 
Through faith in Jesus Christ, therefore nobody can accuse me. I have a relationship with Jesus through faith in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Nothing, no one can accuse me or bring condemnation to my life. It's grace, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you know you've grasped the gospel, which alone can rescue us? How do we know we've grasped this, where the source is? Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Do you think there's a clue there? Grace and peace. Grace is the cause of the gospel coming into your life. But the effect of it is peace. Peace. Would you put that away? She's showing a clock to me. It's distracting me. <laughs> you receive the gospel when you receive peace. And I'm not just talking about peace in the good times. You know, it's great peace when everything's going well, isn't it? Swifts are up, seven place, playoff in Europe. And peace like a river. Bloods my soul. We had a big show last week, you know, here. It was great. Ticket sales were outstanding. Twelve people baptized. Peace. Yeah, but somebody dies that you love, you've got devastating news, or things don't work out the way it should do, or car breaks down, somebody's talking about you, gossiping about you, work's not going as good as good. Peace in spite of circumstance. Peace in spite of fear. Peace in spite of opposition. Peace like a river. Peace that, that, that gets a hold of your soul, and even it looks like it's, it's just chaos all around us. There's still peace within us. That's how you know you've received the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the element of peace is something that we experience. Amen? Thank you. Amen. The gospel is the most basic sense of rescue. It's a message of rescue. I've got so much to say, so little time to say it. Would you please stand with me? There's a lot in it, isn't there? There's a lot in it. Might be here to Christmas with Galatians. We've just, we're just done the introduction, one to five. 